Hello, and welcome to Maine Golf Talk. We are your hosts, Zach Zonlo and Henry Fall. In these podcasts, we'll be discussing what makes Maine Golf so special. We'll be sharing our own experiences and knowledge as both players and coaches. We'll also branch out to discuss hot topics in the game and chat with special guests to hear their stories, all to keep you in the know and help you improve your game. Let's get into today's podcast. All right, welcome back to another episode of Maine Golf Talk. We are joined by Mike Napoleon, co-founder of Super Speed Training, and he's also a PGA member, which is great for uh, Zach and I, being also PGA members, to have him on. If any of you have been following Zach's Instagram lately, you've probably noticed that he's been uh, hot on the ticket trying to build up some speed this offseason using the Super Speed Training System. And um, we were fortunate to be joined by Mike to, to chat about the, the system, how it's being used by players around the world to build up some swing speed. So, Mike, thanks for joining us. Yeah, thanks a lot for having me, guys. I'm really excited. So, well, I mean, I got to ask, how's it been going so far? Yeah, it's been uh, it's been great. Um, I think the first day, uh, it's kind of, it jumped me up uh, five miles an hour. Um, I saw kind of a drop uh, the second day, but also I'm kind of working out. So, um, but you know, for me, my goal is to kind of get up to that 115. Right now, I'm at 105, 107. So, I thought it was a great way to jump in and try and gain some speed. And you know, you guys have a great protocol. It's very simple, very easy to use. And, you know, I can do it three times a week and, uh, I'm excited to see how, uh, how it's going to go for the next couple of weeks or months. Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, that's a pretty standard result, uh, that you'd see is that, you know, we on average see about a 5% increase in swing speed. And you usually see that after the first session, um, you know, depending on what else you're doing from a physical training standpoint or practice standpoint, or how tired you were, you will see some just, you know, all some just, you know, slight changes in those differences in in your day-to-day sessions but you usually see about that jump in the first session and then the only thing else I would really uh you know push you toward is just make sure you're always doing the training you know when you're kind of fresh when you're not tired and you know one of the big keys I think sometimes people miss with our training is that you know it is all about being you know going at it a hundred percent for that you know five or six minutes that you're doing that training it's got to be an all-out move. So, you know, just kind of stay true to that, and, you know, I think you'll get some big gains out of it. Yeah, that was that was the crazy part was, you know, I went all out, and uh, that first time I, I think I either texted uh, Henry or texted my uh, my coworker. I, I was sweating. I was dead. I was sweating. Oh, yeah. I'm like, oh, man, I just went all out. Like, this is this is not, you know, my normal golf. My normal golf's just a couple of beers and casual. This is going, you know, 100, complete 180. Yeah, for sure. And I mean, you're only talking about 39 swings in that first protocol. It's not like it's, you know, I mean, that's half of a round of golf for a good player. So, you know, and, and you're talking about, you know, half of those swings are on the non-dominant side. So it is kind of wild that people get as tired as they do during that, that protocol, but it, it really does make a lot of sense when you start to look at the science of how you're actually changing some of the neuromuscular response to the motor pattern of your golf swing, uh, you know, that, that kind of neuromuscular fatigue is really more what you're feeling there than just straight physical fatigue. And it is crazy. I've seen some very good athletes 
you know, who would claim to be ex in, in very, very good shape, just be on the ground dead after even doing that first protocol. And, you know, it's not that we're trying to, you know, really wear people out, but it's just that, that new type of training for people um, is something that's very different. And it's something that really does help them get those big swing speed jumps. Yeah, I think, uh, you know, I think the one thing I really liked about it was doing the non-dominant side. It's a, uh, you know, we, we always focus on the one side and we're constantly stressing that side where, I mean, granted, my left-handed swing is awful, but, you know, it, it definitely helps with kind of balancing the body out. And I think that's, you know, a great way to kind of split it up and get the body ready for big aggressive swings. Yeah, there's a lot of there's a lot of really positive things in those non-dominant swings. Um, you know, I would say that what you're talking about as far as just balancing out the system is is certainly a piece of it. But uh, what we actually find, especially for a lot of amateur players, is that you know because they don't make swings in that direction very often, a lot of the muscles on that side of the body are are just sort of inactive. So one of the things that we're really trying to do there is muscle activation, motor unit activation in that player's non-dominant side. So let, let's take that for example as a right-handed player. You know, if I'm making swings on my non-dominant side, where we're really trying to activate is our left side. So we're trying to activate muscles the whole way down the chain in the left side of our body. Now, when you go back to your dominant side swing as a right-handed player, those muscles in the left side of your body become really important for stabilizing rotational velocity and stabilizing a lot of the force that's going to actually stabilize your golf swing and allow you to transfer that rotational speed throughout the chain. Um, you know, we've actually seen some big biomechanical advantages to those non-dominant swings in helping people actually, you know, especially amateur golfers who aren't doing a lot of training in the gym all the time where they're working on both sides of the body. We see huge gains in their ability to stabilize rotational speed because of those. That's awesome. I, and, you know, I, I think, I think the fact that, you know, you've, you've put that into the protocols, it, it makes the super speed product that much more when you actually have the training to go with it, the protocols, that background that you're talking about here. It's not just uh, swinging the sticks. There's, there's more to it. And um, you know, I, I implore everyone to go online and check this stuff out. Cause it's, it's really, it's really interesting. And um, but before we get more into it, Mike, I'd, I'd like to talk about just the, the background of super speed and how it all started for you. Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, unlike a lot of training aid companies where, you know, the goal is to create something that, you know, somebody could maybe use to get some small effect in their game. Um, you know, our stuff was really born out of our coaching businesses. So, you know, we ran a, I would say, like elite performance center in the Chicago area for 10 years. And, you know, I ran the golf coaching equipment fitting sort of on course coaching side of it. Uh, Kyle Shea, um, who's the other co-founder of Superspeed, ran all of our health, wellness, rehab side. But, I mean, we had everything from, you know, golf coaches, equipment fitters, physical trainers, rehab specialists, sports performance coaches. I mean, we had that full think tank of, um, you know, elite team coaches around the players that we are working with in Chicago. And, you know, that sort of think tank area was really one of the reasons we were able to, you know, I, I would say – do the research and development to create super speed, you know, at all. But it's also, 
you know, how we were able to really test it on our own players and our own clients and then, you know, find ways to make it as efficient as possible. And I think that's one of the things that's really separated us is that we're able to add that like professional coaching element into the protocols. And there's so many different things that, that super speed golf helps players work on, you know, really without ever telling them they're working on it. And that, that as a coach, like, I feel like the gold standard is if you can help somebody get better and you never had to tell them that they had a problem in the first place, like that's gold standard to me because now they're not worried about this weird move in their swing. They're not worried about something they're doing. All they're doing is increasing their performance. And, and that, that's really our goal. So when, when you were younger and, and got started in the game, were there times when you were like swinging as hard as you possibly could? Because I know when I was younger, like, I think I at some points did that, but I also felt like I was sort of frowned upon for doing that. So I'm just curious if, if that was something you thought of or, or if it's when maybe you went through TPI where you started to realize, you know, hey, I can actually just go out all out at this sometimes. Yeah, I mean, I think traditional golf coaching has sort of coached speed out of the swing in many ways for a long time. It's kind of focused more on form elements of the game, which now we're starting, you know, I mean, we, we know now that, you know, the path to creating the best, you know, consistency of your golf swing is to also create the best efficiency in your golf swing. And I, I think creating that efficiency equates directly to being as athletic as possible with the motion. And, you know, I can look at it from this way. I was a player who didn't take a lot of golf lessons as a kid, you know, played a lot of sports and I always had a reasonable amount of power. But one of the things that I found is when I started playing, you know, uh, let's call it semi-professionally because I don't really ever consider myself a professional player in, in a lot of ways, but I felt like I was so far behind the eight ball with the people that were really hitting it far that that was something that just personally always was was a driving factor. You know, I, I remember very specifically, I was actually in, in Arizona. I played a, a Pepsi tour event way back in the day. This is probably like in the like 2005, 2006 range. And, uh, you know, I, it was that the course I was working at. So I was like, okay, this is going to be a good deal. Go out day one, shoot like one under par, feeling really good about myself. And then get into the clubhouse and there's like two guys sitting there at 12 under. And I'm like, what in the world is this? Like that score doesn't exist for me on this golf course. Like, but I'm looking at that. I mean, the guy hits it 50 yards by me on the tee. That means that that course literally turned into par 66 for him. Two par fours that are drivables, eight and seven irons into all the par fives where I'm hitting three woods into the par fives. And, you know, so I just think that the, the game, uh, so that was definitely a driving factor for me personally. And then I, I think what also started to happen at our, you know, at our academy business is we literally had a hundred percent of the people that were coming in to see us in one way or another asking to increase their swing speed, whether it was they were just wanting to hit it further off the tee, whether it was, you know, I can't stop the ball in the green. I need, need to hit the ball higher. I need, you know, whatever it was like, some way or another, we found 100% of our people were asking for more swing speed. So when we found, you know, that the training and the science behind some of what was going on with what is now super speed, and we were finding that it was, I mean, applicable to nearly everyone that, that, that touched it, like that was just, we looked at that as kind of a home run that we needed to really go all in on. I mean, it, it, 
all the students out there, when they go to see a, an instructor, it's like, I want to hit the driver better and I want to hit it farther. And hey, can you blame them? Because I mean, they're hitting driver almost off every par four and par five. And you know, if, they're, if their wedges are anything decent, that's going to help them score better. So I don't know if, if there really is a Bryson effect, but now with the stats kind of pushing us to hit the ball farther through strokes gain, it seems like, um, you know, that a lot of these training systems, including yours, is it's really taken off. And I'm, I'm sure you're probably pretty happy with everything that's going on in the game. Uh, yeah, I mean, I want to, you know, I would say that, you know, we, we like to look at the fact that over the last, you know, six years that we've had super speed out, I mean, we, we have over 700 touring professionals around the world using our stuff right now. And I mean, it's had an effect on the, on, on a lot of players careers and their ability to stay out on tour longer. It's had ability for players that, you know, weren't necessary that were behind the eight ball distance wise to be able to compete better. And I mean, that's something that obviously we're very proud of at the same time. You know, I think the researchers and, and the people that are really looking into this stuff in detail and the statisticians and the mathematicians that are looking at it, I mean, it's a, uh, it's a pretty easy argument at this point that hitting the ball further is going to help every aspect of your game. Obviously not to say that it's not important to have skill in every aspect of the game of golf. You have to have good skills in those games. But, you know, I think for a long time we always thought that, you know, looking at the little things was going to make a bigger difference in our game. And what we're finding now is that the math and the, and the stats certainly show that increasing distance not only helps you off the tee, but it helps with your strokes gain stats in every other category as well, which is just, you know, going to equal the best gain in strokes. Yeah. So let's talk about some of the tour players that, you know, you guys have um, you know, had using the system. I mean, I guess two that come to mind to me on the PGA tour would be Phil Mickelson and Victor Hovland. And I mean, Hovland just goes all out. That guy has some serious speed, but then you got Phil, uh, what is he 53 years old now or something? 52. And he's, he's ripping at it. Um, Absolutely. you know, he's, and he's increased his speed just over the last two years. And it's, uh, it's pretty cool to see. Um, you know, and I, I caddy on the LPGA tour and I'm out there and I see a lot of the women out on the range warming up with the, the super speed trainers. And um, Christina Kim is someone that comes to mind and she, she really rips at it right before she starts her warm up. But that's a great way to kind of get the, the muscles firing and, and warm you up for the day, I guess. Yeah, I think it changes in a couple different ways. So like when somebody's just starting the training, if you, if it's like your first week that you're doing the training, we probably wouldn't recommend that you do it right before a round of golf because that do, there is a significant difference in your, your, you know, just in how far you're hitting the ball right before and after that session. And you're probably going to be pretty tired right after it. So um, a lot of those players that you see out there that are doing it right before rounds have been doing this training for a long time. And what they're really using it for at that point is to really prime the motor units in their body. It's like a, it's like a final piece of their, uh, I don't really want to call it warm up, but it's more of like a preparation phase. It's like priming the engine a little bit so that they're in exactly the same state as they would be in front of every round of golf that they play. Um, you know, because again, if you've been doing this for three or four years, you're not seeing big before and after jumps right after the session. You're just getting yourself ready. So th that's one of the things that a lot of those players are, are doing out there. Um, 
but yeah, I mean, it's been, it's been a lot of fun to see a lot of these players out on tour using it. And, and, you know, we haven't endorsed any of them. So like we haven't paid any of these people to use our stuff. Like they're doing it because it's helping them with something in their game. And, you know, I think that's kind of the, the thing that we're the most proud about with a lot of those players. Yeah, I think it's, uh, I mean, the results have been speaking for themselves, but um, you know, the one thing I was thinking about was, you know, for me, when I was back in high school, Jesus, 14 years ago, um, you know, we had the, that weighted uh, golf club and we would swing that and, you know, the, it, it makes so much more sense to do, you know, the overspeed training with the lighter clubs than to, you know, swing this big heavy thing. And, you know, I, I really wish I had had super speeds back, uh, back, back in two thousands. But uh, I mean, it, where did you guys kind of come up with that idea of the, overspeed you know the, the lighter club and the overspeed training yep. versus you know heavy swing yeah so two completely different things right like and I think people kind of put them in the same category sometimes but you know I'm not going to say that there isn't some amount of benefit that you can get from like heavy implements or heavy clubs I think mechanically teaching people how to sequence their swing there are some benefits there but the benefits are generally not speed training um, in fact, we've actually done a lot of testing on this in, in both golf and baseball. And, and you actually find that, you know, if you just give somebody, let's, let's call it uh, baseball, let's give them donuts in the warm, in, in the on deck circle, right? You give somebody a, a like 20, 30% heavy donut and you have them make about 15 swings in some kind of warm up protocol. On average, it's actually going to slow down their bat speed when they go back to their normal baseball bat by up to 30%. And the reason that happens is, again, this is like neurological training. We're, we're training the brain to get a different expected result out of the muscles of the body. So if we're trying to train speed, what we want to do is imprint in the brain that your body's going to react faster than it's used to, to reacting to the golf swing. So when we pull the trigger on, on a swing during a super speed training, I want it to be significantly faster than the golf swing so that we can remove some of these neurological limiters that, you know, we're really accessing speed that the player's body's already capable of producing. So all we have to do is prove to the brain that you can move that fast and it's not going to hurt you. And, and that's really why we use these lighter weight clubs. One of the first times we heard about this training uh, was actually at a TPI World Golf Fitness Summit. Uh, Dr. Tom House did a great presentation on, on what he was working on with a lot of Major League Baseball pitchers with the different weighted balls and, and really showing that science of using the lighter weight uh, baseballs to make that player's body move faster and then going back to the, to the normal weight balls and the heavier weight balls to work on deceleration chain and other things to kind of solidify some of that practice. You know, that was the first time we were really exposed to this, this type of training. And at that point, it was called overload underload training, which we didn't find was, uh, we didn't think it was nearly as descriptive of what was actually going on in the training, especially when we started to, you know, research and figure out how to truly apply it to swinging sports, because the real, like, crux of the training the, the the most important thing in the training is making your body move faster than normal during something it already knows how to do and, and that was why we sort of changed the name of that back in 2014 to overspeed training when we lost our we launched our protocols as we felt like making your body move over speed relative to what it's used to doing in that motor program is really the the key of the training 
Yeah, and you've seen it in other sports, like you said, with uh, Major League Baseball. I know runners for I don't know how long now. I mean, they've been running down hills and you know down sand dunes and stuff to build up their speed that way as well. Track uh, track runners and um, you know, there's a great quote I found from Dr. Greg Rose of TPI. He says, most athletes have a governor on their speed. Their body actually has the ability to swing faster, but their brain won't let it. And I think that speaks to what you're saying is that like neurologically, we have to almost trick ourselves to realize that, hey, we actually have a little more speed in the tank and it, it, we just need to use some intention to do that. Yeah, well, intention's not enough though is the thing. So yes, I mean, I completely agree with Greg. Like, and, and that's something that we talk about a lot of just trying to figure out ways to take the governor off the engine. Um, so let me talk about it this way. So there's a bunch of different things that can apply these governors to our body. So let, let's say that, and, and a lot of them happen over the course of us just living, right? So let's say that we wake up one morning and, you know, we have kind of like a stiff neck or back hurts a little bit. You go out and you play golf. Well, you're not going to be able to swing probably as fast that day because there's going to be a little bit of pain involved. So your brain starts to remember, oh, we're, that, that motor program, the golf swing needs to go a little slower. So we, we took it down a notch. And then let's say that we go have a golf lesson. And our golf coach is like really focused on this one little move that we need to make in the swing. And in order to uh, accomplish that move, we have to move a little slower because we can't do it full speed. So boom, the brain takes it down another little notch. And, and now we're, we're, we're down to 80% of our max or whatever it might be. I mean, we might've only been starting at 90%. And then, you know what, but, you know, unfortunately we get an injury and now we're down to 70%. And three years later, you know, we're still, the brain still thinks we can only function at 70% of our potential. So that that's kind of how those governors get put on in the first place. And then just going out there and trying to swing as hard as you can isn't going to do it because that's just not how our bodies work. And I mean, you guys have probably seen this with players on a launch monitor, man, you ask them to go out of their shoes at one and half the time the speed goes down, you know, so like it, it, it's not just trying to make a more aggressive swing. The, the real difference is changing that resistance just a little bit that really allows the body to move faster. So it takes away some of the, the difficulty of making it move fast. And then all of a sudden your brain starts looking, oh, wow, I can move faster. Like I'm capable of moving faster. And then you can actually even add weight back like we're, we're talking about. You can maintain those higher speeds. That's, you know, really the, the true form of overspeed training. So outside of like the tour players that have been using – uh, super speed and, and even some world long drive guys. I mean, I look at what they've been able to do with, with super speed as well, but um, some of the top golf instructors and coaches around the world are, are using super speed with their students. Um, have you found that with someone purchasing super speed, just someone at home, a customer, do you find that it works better if they sort of have a coach or someone that's working on technique and sequencing as well in alignment with super speed? So we've kind of set up our entire program in like that good, better, best kind of situation. So we've set it up so that anyone, you know, because unfortunately there are an awful lot of players out there. In fact, the majority of golfers that, you know, don't have access to a great PGA golf coach. They don't have access to a fitness trainer who's, you know, TPI certified and, and is in the gym working on their game. So we've set it up so that anybody that 
plays golf can buy this online, can go on our website, can go through a good dynamic warm up, can go through the speed training and follow along, and they're going to get good results. Now, if you can add on, you know, a golf coach to that who can simultaneously, you know, assess the golf swing and see where the different speed deficiencies are, maybe give you some additional drills. Like let's say your main issue is, you know, creating efficient ground reaction force. You can have some other drills that are going to work on that simultaneously, or maybe it's that, you know, lag and wrist mechanics don't work as well. You can have some of those drills to work on outside of the speed training. Absolutely. It's going to be better. Couple that in the best scenario. And you also have that, you know, TPI certified fitness trainer that's also working on, you know, different types of range of motion inefficiencies or functional mobility or whatever it might be in the gym, strength, power, and you couple all that together. I mean, that's the full package. That's obviously going to be the most efficient. So, you know, that, that's kind of what I would say. Like, I, I think it is important for everybody that picks up super speed to definitely be working on the skill elements of the golf game simultaneously. I think that's something that sometimes people miss you know our system is going to help you increase your swing speed it's not a one-stop shop for every single thing about the golf game though and you know i always i i always joke with players sometimes like well you know especially when they ask well am i going to hit the ball everywhere because uh you know because i'm increasing my swing speed is it going to cause that kind of a, a negative effect there and i'm like well no but you know let, let's say let's take amateur golfer a whose face control and ball control skills are like a four out of 10, you know, it's like he's swinging at 85 miles an hour, you know, your ball control skills still are bad. Like they're not good. Like you're probably hitting the ball pretty much everywhere now. And if you increase your swing speed by 10 miles an hour, you're still not, it's not going to help your ball control skills that much. So like you still need to be working on those drills to improve those skills. But we also see those with our high level players. You might have a nine and a half or 10 out of 10 ball ball control and base control skills they still have those skills after they do the training so that you don't really see a big decrease in any kind of accuracy but I, I do think that that's a that's an important aspect is to always be working on other things as well this isn't the only thing you should do yeah I was I was actually thinking of like someone that that purchases it and starts using it and then they you know they whack the ground because they're trying to take a swing and then it breaks or something. I mean, I'm, I'm sure you guys have seen that uh, and, and making sure that you swing a little bit above the ground with the, with the training aids. Yeah, honestly, it hasn't happened nearly as much since we did our last version of protocol videos for whatever reason, we've seen less of it. So I think oh, we're explaining good. it better in whatever way. <laughs> um, I mean, obviously the evolution of the product over the last six years, you know, the current version, production version, production qualities, uh, you know, we like to think of it, it, it's at a pretty good place now where even if you do hit the ground, like it's not going to be the end of the world. Uh, the only ones that really get us anymore, are like the uh, rubberized gym floors that are like have a really a, a large amount of grip. You really don't want to hit those. We've got some really funny videos of long drive professionals doing stuff like that in gyms, though. So, yeah. So, uh, you know, the I, I was thinking, uh, you know, the first time I did it. I, I had uh, Johnny, who's uh, a little bit on the uh, the less uh, mo mobile side. Uh, he actually hit the ground, and I was like, oh, my God, you're going to break it first try. But, uh, you know, the one thing that we really kind of did was we followed, you know, to the T. And, you know, the biggest part for us was the, uh, the warm-up exercises. Um, I love that you guys have, you know, the printout version and the video of how to do them. And, I mean, 
it's a physical thing. You're, you're, you got to prime your body to, you know, handle that swing speed. And I think that's one of the best things that you guys could have done with it was introduce, you know, the warm up uh, exercises. Yeah. And that warm up protocol, I mean, it doesn't use the super speed clubs that much. Like you only use one of them right at the end, but I mean, that's a warm up program that you can do anytime. Like I'd recommend doing that before you go play golf, before you practice, before anything. I mean, it's just a good overall physical warm up. And if you don't have a trainer that's built a warm up protocol for you, like, I mean, it's right there on our website for free. So go use that and do it. Um, whether you're doing your speed training or not, uh, it's going to really be a benefit and going to keep you healthy out there playing. Yeah, um, exactly. Um, you know, uh, where, you know, we, we talked, we talked about, you know, your, uh, your tour players and, you know, the gains that you guys have seen, you know, for the average golfer, um, you know, or is it still that kind of that 5%? increase or you guys see a little bit more just because you know they're they don't swing it as fast as like a justin thomas or you know even like somebody like myself um do you guys see a bigger jump or is it still kind of that same kind of pattern i mean again five five percent's average and that's average over everyone that's doing this training you know that we've measured in the last six years which is tens of thousands of people um it all is kind of like moving right toward about that five percent initial jump that's not to say there aren't some players that get much bigger jumps, but you know, I would, I, I wish I could tell you that it was like, there was a pattern to it, but you know, we've seen some tour players get big jumps. We've seen amateurs get big jumps. You know, I think senior players, if, if anywhere are probably the ones that generally are a little bit above that 5% most of the time, um, mainly because that's, they've had more time to develop neurological limiters to speed. So they've got a little bit more room to grow most of the time, but overall 5% is pretty much what, what people should expect. I guess the, the two questions sort of in line with that I'd have is like, yeah, the one thing I really love, um, about the super speed swings is the fact that, uh, they're actually not hitting a ball. They're just going through, there is no impact. It's just going through the swing. And sometimes I feel like, uh, people just swing at the ball and they just try to hit the ball. Um, so have you seen that uh, one of the, the side effects of the super speed is that they can actually, when they step up to hit a, hit a golf shot, you actually feel like they go through to a finish a little bit better and swing through the shot. Yeah. So this is another one that goes back to like coaching philosophy and coaching theory, but what we're trying to do when we make somebody make a super speed swing is we want them to increase athleticism than compared to what they would normally do with the ball. And this, this actually came out of uh, a study that uh, that TPI did. Uh, Mike Voigt actually did, did the study, I believe, um, where we were looking at, at this type of training in, in a different way. They were actually doing it with drivers and hitting balls. And what they found is that if it was a ranked beginner, complete beginning player, uh, they would actually get about the same gain effect, whether they were hitting golf balls or not hitting golf balls doing this type of training. However, as the skill level of the player increased, so you got up to professional players, professional players, if they're doing the training while hitting a golf ball, uh, actually got very low gains compared to when they were doing it with, with just doing the free swings or the practice swings. And, you know, the theory or the conclusion to that is that, you know, 
if you put a ball down in front of a PGA Tour player, it's very hard to get them to do something different. It's hard to get them to, to increase their speed, increase their athleticism, because the goal is to hit that golf ball down the fairway. And, and taking that away, it's very hard to get a PGA Tour player to do different things while they're over a ball. So we've found that in all sports, actually, uh, it's far more effective to train speed, to train athleticism like this without hitting a golf ball, and then to apply that new speed to the actual skill elements of the sport afterwards. And, and that's actually, uh, yeah, like I said, it's been a major piece that I think is very important that some people have argued with us on at times. And we're just like, well, here's, here's why. Like, this is why it works this way. And, you know, should you do some integration type stuff if you're having a hard time getting it transferred? Maybe. Um, but at the same point, like you've got to do the training in, in that free swing mode to give yourself that freedom to just kind of get outside the box a little bit of what your, what your body's normally doing during the golf swing. Right. And I, I find it funny, you know, you, you, you hear some tour pros when, you know, they, they're asked like, okay, you were under pressure today, you're under the gun and um, you know, what were you thinking? They're like, well, I just aimed and I hit it as hard as I could. And like, yep. you hear it, like, it's not all pros say that, but you hear that. And, um, you know, it's just funny. Like we've been, I feel like we've been told for a long time in the game. And you kind of mentioned this earlier is that, um, you know, you swing slow, you keep it controlled, you hit it down the fairway at your target. And now it's like, oh, screw that. Like be an athlete, see your line and hit it as hard as you can. I mean, what's really interesting is that if you actually test these players, like even if, look, PGA Tour players are not swinging at 80% out on the golf course ever. <laughs> like, it's just not happening. Like even the ones that will come out, yeah, just trying to keep it around 80%, 85% out there just <laughs> to keep it controlled. If you actually test what they're doing, they're nowhere close to that. Like they, maybe they're at 98% of peak, but like – it's just not true. Like whether they think it's true or not, it's fine. Like if they mentally think they're at 85% and that's what it feels like, and that's going to help them hit on the green, more power to you. We're going with it. But like, if we really assess it and look at it compared to what their peak is, they're all functioning between 97 and a hundred percent of their peak swing speed with every club in their bag at almost every swing they're making on the golf course until you get to like finesse wedges. Like that's just reality. Like that's how people are doing it motor programs don't work in a sense that I can just take 15% off on conscious effort and I'm going to have no issue. Like it just doesn't happen. Like you, when you, when a PGA tour player steps up to make a driver swing, it's within one or two miles an hour of the same speed every time. And what we're trying to do with overspeed training is change what that normal speed is and make it faster. Um, but yeah, like it goes back to that whole conscious effort thing. It's very hard to change your swing speed up or down significantly just by a conscious effort to try. Wow. Yeah. I mean, I, I was thinking about that just for a second. It's, I mean, you're so right. It's, you know, that we have a little launch monitor here and I have two of my, uh, my students um, that use it and, you know, they're always constantly like looking at their swing speed and they're like, oh, I need to swing faster. I need it. I need to make it. It's like, like, you're not going to just swing faster just, just by, you know, seeing a number and trying to swing faster. You, you got to do something about it. I, that's, that's such a good point right there. That's, uh, that's awesome. Yeah. Any, any coach that's worked with a launch monitor for any amount of time or any player for that matter realizes that like 
it takes a major change or effort to take 15% speed off of your swing. Like it, it's not, it's not a minor difference. Like typically if you have, you know, some players they'll have like a knockdown iron shot or some type of different swing that they make with like an iron out on the course, it may be five or six miles an hour different than their full swing. But I mean, it's a totally separate motor program. Like it, it's not even the same move if you look at it, you know, on 3D and look at the kinematics. So, like, yeah, like I said, it, people think they can make bigger adjustments in their swing than they actually do in every way. So, Mike, uh, you know, we, we've uh, we've touched on a lot of subjects here, and I, I think, think it's it's great for our listeners that you were, um, you know, kind enough to come on the show and. Uh, you know, you guys have had quite the run since you released this in 2014. And I mean, the fact that, I mean, you guys are in so many tour bags and, and golf instructors bags. I mean, it's, it's really cool to see how um, the game has sort of evolved to, you know, hit it out there, hit it far and, and build up some speed and, and sort of change that, uh, I guess, the neurological understanding of how we can, we can build up speed too. But before we uh, close things out, we like to we like to have a little section we call the wicked fire round. Um, oh boy! Oh boy! Yeah. Uh, so I'll I'll start off with our first question here. Uh, the biggest improvement you've seen in a tour player through swing speed training? Mm, I mean, there's a lot of them. Uh, you know, I mean, like I said, we don't pay these guys, so I don't have a lot of. I'm not you know, name too many names. One of the ones I think was an early one, actually, that's a pretty important one. This isn't going to be a, you know, top five player in the world, but um, it was actually a 35 year old uh, player who played in Australia and Asia uh, and was majorly behind the eight ball as far as speed went. He was like a 104, 105 kind of guy. And when we first assessed him, um, his first swings out of the gate were around 106 and a half. And he'd been working like two years in the gym to, to gain a little bit of speed. And he was really, really happy with that. He looked at it and was like, yeah, I, I really did well. One session of super speed training, first swing out of the gate was 112 and a half. The next one was 113. He looked down at the monitor and pretty much like looked at us and said, did you change something? Like what in the world? I've never swung that fast. <laughs> Six months later, hit 120 miles an hour for the first time, came running up to me at Lake Nona at the PGA show and was like, holy crap, I have a 120 track man number on my phone. And we're like, yep, that's how it goes. That's awesome. Uh, your favorite exercise or protocol that you guys have come up with for super speed? Uh, my favorite of all of them is actually the kneeling swings. Um, they do a whole lot of things for players that people don't think they do. Um, mainly working on sequencing and controlling of the lower body, which seems like it doesn't make any sense since you're kneeling. But really what you're doing there is you're taking all of the force and torque that you'd normally be using with your feet, which are going to be helping to propel your pelvis and start that whole chain of rotational motion in the golf swing. So when you take that out and you have that like narrow kneeling stance that we use in our kneeling swings, it forces you to have to really consciously control the first part of your golf swing and be able to engage that rotational velocity in the pelvis. Um, that's one of my favorite drills overall for working on not only speed, but sequencing and just learning how to use the ground actually, which makes, again, it, it seems counterintuitive, but it actually works really, really well. Do you find that that works well too? Like uh, for players that struggle with driver where they come down steep or hit the ground, 
just to get them swinging a little bit more around themselves? Sure. Well, I mean, one of the main reasons that players – so, yeah, absolutely. But one of the main reasons players swing over the top or they're way too steep generally is that they're very poor at initiating the lower body in the golf swing. They're not leading with the pelvis enough, which is going to allow the club to have time to kind of drop in the slot and actually plane out. So when you exaggerate that issue with a kneeling position, you force them to have to use their lower body or all they're going to do is chop straight down into the ground. Yeah, absolutely. It's a great way to help players that, that are, uh, they're struggling with over the top. Yeah. I just, I found with, with players that struggle with driver, especially like popping it up or hitting the ground, um, you know, sometimes to have them swing over something uh, above something like a head cover, just to, and, and not hit it and just swing mm-hmm. around themselves just helps them sort of shallow out with driver sometimes. Um, sure thing. Is, is Tiger Woods secretly using super speed? It's a good question. Um, all I can <laughs> tell you is that, you know, we have definitely in the past delivered multiple sets to his team, if you want to say that. So, uh, you know, I, I, he's certainly had it in his hands before. We've seen that at events, you know, and, uh, you know, I hope he is. Uh, you know, obviously he's been doing some – his game's been in a, a, you know, really good place here in the last couple of years. And, you know, I hope that we're a part of that. But, yeah, no way to confirm. All right. How about, how about your dream foursome? Uh, yeah, no, that would be a tough one. I would – I would love to to get like the greats of the different eras together just to see how they would compare and how they would go about different shots. That would be my dream. So, I mean, I'd love to like in their prime, take like Tiger and Jack and then even like maybe like a Sam Snead or somebody like that and put them all together on the same golf course and just see how, see how they would approach the game. I'd love to see the strategy that would go on and how it would differ over those different years. I, I, I love that. That's uh that's a good one. Uh, we've asked that question pretty much every time and it's always interesting to see what the answers are. And I like that. I like seeing, you know, let's see everybody at their primes and see what, you know, what they do differently. Um, so Mike, uh, thanks for jumping on uh, and taking the time with us. Um, you know, the, uh, <laughs> uh, Henry just sent me something. They'd swing at 80%. That's, that's their, their key when they were in the prime, they'd swing 80%. Um, <laughs> but Mike, thanks for, uh, thanks for taking the time and, uh, jumping on with us. We, uh, we truly appreciate it. If, uh, you know, if our listeners want to, you know, get in, they're excited. They want to create some speed. Where do they go? Do they just go straight to your website and find it? Yeah, the easiest way is just uh, our website, superspeedgolf.com. You can get to us in, in a bunch of different ways through that. You can always email us to info at superspeedgolf.com or hit us up on social media. All of our handles are at superspeedgolf. So just, uh, yeah, and feel free to reach out. Like, if you have any questions or if there's anything we can do to help, I mean, our, our goal is to help golfers have more fun, hit the ball farther, and if we can, and we can help in any way, you know, please feel free to reach out. All right, guys. So that was uh, Mike Napoleon of Super Speed Golf. He is the co-founder. He is the uh, the brains behind all this. So, uh, guys, uh, hope you enjoyed this episode. Uh, you know, guys, what we're going to do is we're going to put the link to Super Speed right underneath our uh, our bio here. We also have it up in our link tree, so you guys can access the uh, Super Speed Golf system uh, right away. 
if you guys want to follow along, I will be doing, I am completing the, uh, the program. So jump on, follow my Instagram at ZT Zonlo. Uh, if you guys want to follow us, it's uh, main golf talk on both Facebook and Instagram guys, another episode. We will see you next time. Thank you.